Uh, welcome to the Mountain Students Team podcast, a podcast specifically for our students team. At Mountain Students, we make more and better disciples of middle and high school students by connecting them to someone who loves God and loves them to help them develop an authentic faith. We believe everything rises and falls on the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them. My name is Chase, and with me today are two delightful human beings who I've gotten to know over a long period of time. It's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, are we in double-digit years yet, by chance? I think so. What are we doing in 2013? Were we serving in students? Were we doing... Were we at Mountain? Mountain. Yeah, I was at Mountain. Uh, yeah? I think I think we knew each other probably from the very get-go. Yeah. Oh, probably through Ken. Probably through Ken. Yeah. That's probably what it was. Uh, with me to uh, across the table from me is uh, Steve Menninger. 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 You got it. Me- yeah. Got Men- it the first time. Menninger. With the soft G. Um, Steve, you are the like uber guru leader guy of FCA Mid-Atlantic. Well, not uh, thanks for the promotion, but not quite not quite that extent. So I, I'm East a multi-area Coast. director for Northern Maryland FCA, Baltimore, Harford, Cecil County. Of all of America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we had to pay him a lot of money to be here. So yeah. thank you. Uh, Steve, how long have you been serving with FCA? Uh, it has been 22 years. On staff with twenty two years, and your kids are both grown, went through mountain students, off on their own. So you have been around a while, and you started as a group leader for seven years. You did the whole gamut. I did the whole gamut. Yep, nice. Finished up last year with the uh, high school boys, uh, senior boys. Very nice. Uh, and second over here across the table, our friend Sarah Borley, current group leader at the Mountain Road Campus. Hi, Sarah. Hello. It's nice to see you. And you have been a group leader with this group in your junior year, right? Correct. Junior year. So you've had them since? Fifth grade. 54. Mm-hmm. How fun. Tell us quickly about your group. What do you love about them? What do you hate about them? What do I love about them? They are eclectic and they keep me on my toes. Uh, I hate that they keep me on the toes some nights. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Sarah, you've been on our staff too. Yes. In a Uber part-time role, right? Like yes. 10 hours, something like that for special needs. And so your experiences in education and working with special needs students, what else would you like to share about your background? Hmm. I work in high schools, all middle schools and high schools for the last 20 years. So I do a lot with kids. Nice. Well, thank you both. Um, your, your experiences in your personal life, and obviously our connection here at Mountain, really lends well to our topic of conversation today where we're going to ask about the difficult questions that students bring to us, maybe on a weekly or bi-weekly or monthly or daily basis. Um, not a, you know, we're supposed to have all the answers, right? As group leaders. And so uh, we're here to train all of our group leaders to have all the right answers at all the right times to make sure that they are Never stressed out about anything that ever happens, and everything is going to be smooth because they are the smartest people. No, that's not how that works at all, right? So we're going to talk about that. But first, I need to ask you both, 
maybe the most important question that I can ask you today, which is, what is your spirit animal? <laughs> That's a good one. Sarah, you can start. I, I got to think about that one. Hmm. I guess I would say a giraffe. Known for their statue. Yeah. Stature. Yes, which long, I don't long have. Long necks. <laughs> Could be a statue. Eating of leaves. <laughs> Please explain why your spirit animal is a giraffe. Uh, they wear the best clothes. That's adorable. That's absolutely adorable. You got to top that, Steve. Uh, I'd probably go with a ferret. <laughs> <laughs> They're just super fun, and uh, they like to get into a little bit of mischief. Um, so I don't know. That just came to me, but um, I used to have a ferret like way back in college, and my wife well, she wasn't my wife at the time, but I don't think she would have married me if I kept it. So oh I'm going to go with uh, go with Ferret. Um, okay. We could probably be done with the podcast now. I think that was probably <laughs> enough. Uh, whatever credibility Steve had, I think, has quickly eroded. Um, I'd say my spirit animal is a penguin. My I would favorite. never have guessed that. Love penguins. They're my, well, they're my favorite animal. They uh, they're very nurturing. Like the the men are very nurturing. They stay with the with the little babies while the women go out and like hunt and like get the food. So I like the, you know, I like to think that that's what my wife does. She goes and gets the food, and I go and hang out with the kids. So have a good time. I like sliding down on my belly on things. So that's fun. <laughs> Does sound fun. A little a little waddle sometimes. You know, gotta have a good waddle. It's also the arch nemesis of uh, Batman, right? So. Yeah, and Batman stinks. <laughs> DC stinks. Marvel all the way. All that. Completely agree. This is a really educational podcast. <laughs> I'm glad that we uh, we got down to the brass tacks and the good, meaningful stuff early so we can move on to this conversation. Um, it's true, though. Uh, our students are... Man, kids say the darndest things, right? <laughs> that old TV show, I love that. love staying up watching that at night when I was a kid on Nick at Night. The kids say the darndest thing. Um, my kids are saying the darndest things. I was on my bus route the other morning and there's a couple kids in the back and one of them said, is Jesus real? It's first grader, first grader. Okay. And this other guy, second grader chimed in like, no, Jesus is a ghost. <laughs> Jesus is a ghost. <laughs> so we're asking the hard questions here today. Um, obviously maybe we're not getting quite that question. Did you kick that kid off the bus or? You know, I was waiting for the hellfire and brimstone to happen and like the lightning bolt, but it didn't happen. Okay. So I have to uh, really consult scripture now to see exactly how God punishes the wicked. Um, however, <laughs> um, <clears throat> for us here today, each of us have had ample experience um, leading students, discipling students, being in the thick of it with students. And I don't know. I mean, Steve, Sarah, you're uh, you're more seasoned than I am in life. And I know that there's probably even been an evolution of how we would even address questions compared to when you started even discipling students 20 some odd years ago. I'm just curious. Maybe we'll kick it off there. Like what um, what's your take on difficult questions that students have? What's the first thing you want to get off your chest? Um, which one of you wants to go first? I can. All right. Sierra goes first. I guess the evolution that I see before is that um, different times we were just supposed to have one answer. The kids just wanted one answer. And they believed what they were taught. 
And I feel like the generation of today is looking for um, ways to think through answers. So they don't want that there's one right answer. They want, how can you help me get to what I'm thinking, what I'm supposed to think, I guess. Give me choices. And they want it to be more relational and trust. I think if I were to say, you have to believe this, my students wouldn't. Um, but if I said, these are some thoughts on this, or these are some, some other thoughts on this, you know, they wrestle with it themselves, and they'll come back um, making their faith their own versus something that I told them. Yeah, it's true. Um, Steve, I find that interesting that um, it could be choice. It could be option, like what Sarah's talking about. I think that, too, just a lot of what maybe is becoming uncovered in church culture in the past 10 years is like this rise of a church hurts mm-hmm. and things that people have gone through who are my age and older who are like maybe coming down and thinking, hey, the church really hurt me in this way because they just said, you know, just hush and take this medicine um, mm-hmm. where what Sarah's suggesting is quite the opposite of that. Yeah, I, I uh, it's interesting. I was just talking to some people in the last day or two about about this topic, and um, I, from an evolution standpoint, I think one of the things that that has happened, and maybe this is just for me, maybe it's still around, but um, I used to love to study apologetics, which is how do you answer hard questions in the faith and that kind of thing, and that 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 always fascinated me, even from college on, and. Uh, I think I think the problem is, and maybe this is an evolution in me more than an evolution in uh, in where the Christian church is. But um, we used to, or I used to, just give people an answer right away to the question that they had. Um, and what I've come to learn is sometimes we're fast forwarding to the end of the book when we do that. And what I mean by that is um, to answer someone's question about say is there only one way to heaven what about the people who never heard about jesus before you know when you get some of those kind of questions if that person doesn't understand who jesus is doesn't understand the attributes of god doesn't have some knowledge of why they should trust jesus why they should trust his word there's danger in just giving them a straight answer to a to a tough question like that um, and it's, it is, it's fast forwarding to the, to the end of the story when, when you need to build, take a little time building up, uh, who, <laughs> who the characters are in this story and why the, why the book itself can be trusted. So, yeah. 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 So I, I, sometimes I'll, I'll even say to somebody that asks a tough, tough, I'll firm the question. Like that, that is a great question. Let's first talk about what we know about Jesus, you know, and, and just kind of use that as a starting point. Um, or, or I'll, sometimes I'll even say, Hey, we're going to, we'll get to that, but let's talk through a few things first about why you should even trust God and yeah. his word. Yeah. I think scripture even says like, you know, Paul would be challenging Christians where he'd write letters and say, you've been like, you know, you've been having your spiritual milk for a long time. But it's not a time to, time to move on to the spiritual meat and potatoes, if you will. So kind of implying that like, Hey, there's some things that we've got to learn and understand first before we can really tackle the bigger stuff. Um, I appreciate that a lot because I think that what it showcases for us is that uh, students are asking questions. Mm-hmm. 
And like to honestly, like that's a big part of that's a huge deal. Like I've been a part of so many small groups where like we'll just go through the group guide or we'll go through the content or whatever, and they'll be like, "Yeah, cool. Can I go now? <laughs> it's time to leave." And uh, you know, man, like just even them asking a question, it's like, "Oh, you were you were listening? You were engaged? You were." This is amazing. Like, I'm so grateful. And then, you know, when it becomes a difficult question, it's like, oh, but I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. It can kind of turn sour maybe for you. But um, I appreciate that a lot. That's a really good uh, segue into what we're talking about. So um, maybe just a couple of points here to make. One, I feel like, and so tell me if you agree or disagree. Uh, you might agree. You might disagree. Who knows? That's why we're doing this. Um your authenticness as a group leader, as a discipler of students, uh, matters more uh, than your knowledge. One hundred percent. But easier said than done. Yes. Yeah. Why is sure. that? Why is that? I mean, like you can have all these answers, but if they don't trust them and see that you've wrestled with those answers yourself that your faith that your belief in those answers is real they don't trust it so i think that students today are looking for hypocrites they're looking for false you know answers they're they're looking to pick apart people that tell them what to do but don't live what they do and so they want your life to match the answers that you give. So, yeah, I, 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 I mean, I know this isn't about parenting, but I, I think even with parenting, if, if, if a child sees that mom and dad truly love Jesus, they're investing time in their relationship with Jesus and in His Word and that kind of thing. That, that, they know. Then they see there, there's something real about this. And so um, when when they're asking those kind of questions for us to be even saying things like, I used to wonder that same thing. Like that's a, that's a really good question. Sometimes I still ask that question, you know, those kind of things just, just help a lot, but I can't say enough about authenticity when it kids are very perceptive of when something is real. Incredibly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They like just pinpoint like your, uh, where you're out of step and man, I know middle schoolers, they call it out, Mm -hmm. call it out fast. Those kids have no shame, no sense of. (laughs) And I mean, you know, I had a biblical studies degree, but nothing could have prepared me for my fifth graders asking me if mermaids were real. (laughs) And your answer for the audience asking for a friend, actually. I asked the group what they thought. Sounds like a cop out answer. That's okay. <laughs> That's why we're on the the students podcast. Uh, to uh, it became a two a.m. epic <laughs> arguments. That's incredible. Yes. Uh, let's uh, do some dioramas long, about mermaids. It was and, not uh, just mermaids. Let's it watch expanded. The mermaid yeah. And uh, decide for ourselves. All the things. Santa, Easter Bunny. We're all a part of this. Oh, everything under the tooth yes. fairy. Yes. Yes. Just gonna knock it all out at once. <laughs> Let's just... So you can have all the knowledge in the world, <laughs> but it doesn't prepare you for the things they ask. Yeah. Um, I have this. I have this quote here 
I'm curious what you think. Um, things like these construction and kids walking away from the church, is it happening because church leaders aren't giving the right answers? It's almost always a relational schism, not an intellectual disagreement. Um, it happens when they feel like they have to go somewhere else to be listened to. Mm. What do you think about that? Maybe to summarize that quote, it's not that the church isn't giving the right answers. It's just that they're giving them without the substance of maybe going on the journey with them through their answer. Yeah. We, we work with a lot of, um, we're very volunteer intensive ministry. So we, we just like mountain student ministries, we, we depend on a lot of volunteers for, uh, to step up into leadership. I, I am shocked at the low number of people who come to us who have never had somebody disciple them one-on-one uh, in their life. And yet, and yet our, the great commission is go and make disciples of all nations. You know, it's, it's our, it's probably our, our, our biggest command of, of what to do and how to, how to keep the kingdom of God moving forward. And, and yet, you know, talk to the average Christian, they, they haven't had somebody personally invest in them. And, and that's sad, you know, that, that it's, it's definitely lacking. It's definitely needed. So when you say re- relational stuff, I, I, I agree. I mean, it's easy to get up and, and preach in front of a group, <laughs> um, but not do the hard work of, of, follow up and meeting with that person and doing life with that person and talking about real issues. Especially because some of the answers they get from the church may conflict with the relations they have. Yeah, so, talk more about that. That's a really good, good point. It's a good observation. Yeah, I think um, <coughs> today's kids, you know, have a different moral compass or more open to um, – different expressions and just accepting everyone and being loving in general. And so if we come down as the church and say, this isn't right, and they already love someone who they see as okay, that's hard to wrestle with. And so if we just, if we don't walk with them on the journey and disciple them about how that's viewed, um, then they just see us saying that their friends are wrong. Right. And we can have an entire episode about like having a complex opinion about something that's not just so black or white, which yes. I feel like almost nothing in culture is black or white. No. Um, but everyone wants to make it black and white because that's easy. Mm. Black and white is easy. The gray is difficult. Um, and that's where the whole, you know, in essentials unity and non-essentials love. I mean, I kind of go back to that all the time. Like, I just got to love them through this. If you miss that piece and you're just giving answers, most of the time they'll turn away. Yeah. Um, so for difficult questions, uh, maybe just a quick aside. Um, you, you kind of answered this question already, but just what's a question that you remember a student or a group of students asking you that was just like it caught you off guard? It was like, I don't have this answer or that's just too silly. We got to say it on the podcast or something else. What's something that you maybe remember students asking you over the years? I had one this week. It wasn't necessarily a student. It wasn't a student. I lead a men's group as well. Um, and I've got a couple guys that are brand new to the faith. They're just investigating right now. And um, we were reading in Matthew 26 and it, it contrasts uh, the Mary who, who poured her 
expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus's head. And then in that same section of scripture, it talks about Judas, who almost for the same amount of money um, betrayed Jesus. And, um, and and one of the guys brought up, and I'm like, oh no, this could <laughs> this could be a <laughs> five day con- discussion. But but he, he said was was Judas predestined to to um, did oh. God did God create Judas to do that? Did God make Judas? betray Jesus. And, and I mean, I, I knew I was, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. I gotta be, you know, be careful how we enter into this in this men's group. Um, and, uh, but, but yeah, it was a, it was a, I mean, that was a, it was a great question and, and it's a killer um, question. Yeah. yeah. I, I know you don't want me to, we're not getting into the answer to that. No, right that's now, fine. But, but, um, yeah. but yeah, that was a, that was a recent one I had. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like those questions just like catch you and like you had this plan for the night. Maybe mm-hmm. in your groups or maybe at camp or at Winter Summit or whatever. And like all of a sudden it's like, oh, this is the kind of question where we're going to just. Yeah, I wanted to focus put more. the guy down. <laughs> we're just going to take this rabbit trail for a little while and see what happens. I wanted to focus. My, my thought going into it was we're going to focus more on sacrificial giving of of, <laughs> of, of the woman. But um, I'm like, okay. But we ended up having a really healthy conversation. And actually a lot of what we're talking about now are things of like, like, is that, it's a good question. Is it really that important of a question or does it have significant implications in your life of how that question is answered? Which maybe it does. I, I don't know. It's not, but, um, but I did, I'd said, Hey, that, that is a fantastic question. And, and I, the other thing is I'll often say, if somebody brings up questions like that, I'll often say, I love when people bring questions like that because I do because it, what it means is they're being raw, you know they're they're being yeah. they, they're not afraid, they don't want to put on this mask, um, pretending like they don't have hard questions, and so when somebody does ask a hard question, I I thank them for bringing that question even if I don't have the answer to it, because I, I I think it's just that's authentic. We talked about authenticity. That's authenticity on their end to yeah. do that. So. Yeah. I would say my hardest question was when um, a student asked if they could willingly choose to sin and be baptized. Like, I want to keep doing this sin, and I don't want to give it up, so can I still be baptized? Mm -hmm. That was like a really hard question and hard to navigate with the group. Yeah. But again, like, that's awesome that they even – said that because yeah. most kids would just hide, it would just go ahead and get baptized and not right. even say that yes. to someone yes. um, or not even be open about that. So yes. it's good. That's excellent. So, I mean, maybe just walk us through a little bit of like, you know, obviously that answer off the top of your head, you have a lot of experience with you know, studying scripture and you, ha- you have a heavy education background. You know, your girls very well. Like what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when that, when that question comes to you, are you, are you out to, answer it are you out to just like cut it down at the hip and move on like what's what's your thought process in trying to answer a big question like that Uh, so it depends on the dynamics dynamics of the group that night who's there um and in what attitude they're asking whether or not i feel like i'm supposed to pause and just let a little silence lay 
Um, I'm always praying in that silence moment. <laughs> um, but I find it's best not to answer right away because sometimes I find my first response may be a little me. Hmm. Um, and I've been wrong sometimes in doing that, had a me response versus a what it needs to be response. Sure. So I'm constantly evaluating the kids, like um, what frame of mind are they in, where they are in their walk, who's there, and how the answers will be taken. You know, because um, I have had answers taken even out of context. Um, you know. Yeah, you don't control how those words land in their ears, do they? No. <laughs> I, I think that there's a really good book I read, uh, I think when I was in college, called Questioning Evangelism by Randy Newman. And um, the idea behind it was that instead of just preaching at somebody, ask them really good thought-provoking questions. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, when Sarah, when she asked you that, like just asking, well, why is that question important to you? Mm -hmm. You know, just, just to get to the heart of what's behind. O oftentimes, I mean, maybe in that case it wasn't true, but oftentimes um, there, there's something going on in the heart Absolutely. That, that is the reason yeah, why good. that particular question is being asked. Not that they just need it or want to answer to that specifically, but but um, but there's a deeper issue behind what they're what 100%. they're asking. So um, yeah, questioning evangelism was just um, you know it's more about sharing the gospel through asking really good questions. Um, what do you do when you're hurting and you need hope? Like just asking those those kind of those kind of questions, and and uh, so yeah, highly recommend that book. I think it's still around. But oh, I'm sure you can find it on somewhere. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Randy Newman. Yeah, yeah, it's a good book. Um, something that I always like to think about whenever I think about difficult questions is uh, we have this in our training somewhere. I think. Um, where you need to have a really good poker face in student ministry, right? <laughs> yes. The questions that might come or the things that they might say or the ac actions that they partake in that you hear about and they're like watching your eyes. Like, are you going to, are you going to freak out? Are you going to? And some ask on purpose to see if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are you going to? Be done with me like everyone else. There's right? why. Yeah. And, and so uh, having a good poker face, I think, may be essential to mm -hmm. maybe your maybe your facial expression might be more important than the words you say in that moment of like, hey, I still love you and care about you regardless of, you know, if you as you dig deeper to the question that they're asking Um having a good poker face. So, yeah, I don't have a good poker face. That's why I take that minute of pause. <laughs> And just close my eyes and pray because I'm pretty telling in my face. So that was a big learning thing because I know I had made mistakes younger in past small groups when I was younger with my facial expressions because they are testing. They want to see how you accept what they're saying. Yeah. You know, so that has a lot. Are you judging them right out the gate? They're looking for that. Yeah. I was talking to some some parents about uh, the fact that sometimes we expect our kids to be in their faith. What took us twenty, thirty, you know, twenty years to <laughs> Isn't get to? Isn't that the truth? And um, and so uh, you know, just uh, just understanding, like, yeah, I, I probably would ask. I probably had that same question yeah. when I was their their age, and that was part of my development, learning to to get to the point where I am today. So. Yeah. Yeah. And the hard questions that went from, you know, mermaids and 
where are dinosaurs in the Bible, you know, in fifth and sixth grade in middle school evolved into those hard questions about baptism in high school. And, you know, is it wrong to do this in a relationship? And so I saw progress. I saw deepening of faith and um, them wanting to know more. So that's what made the hard questions worth hanging in for. Mm -hmm. So don't be shocked. Nope. Wear your poker face as best you can. Uh, <laughs> I know I've played poker with Steve before at, at Rob Seifert's house. He's got a good poker face, so he's got it going on. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if I have a good poker face. I think I'm, my wife, she says, I can always tell when you're messing with me. Like, I just get this little smirk on my face. But Yeah, you must care about me a lot less. That's <laughs> yeah, fine. that's probably it. That's fine. That's true. I can handle it. Um, <clears throat> that That's really good. Let me see here. Another point that I have here is um, a good, solid, I don't know. Mm. Right? Yep. So we get the question, and we just have no earthly idea what the answer to that question is. And I think, Steve, you you answered part of it. Like, there's questions you could ask to maybe get more to the core or yep. more to, like, the innards of what that question means for them or, like, why it matters. But sometimes you're just like, you know, one of my co-leaders is like a like five, six-year-old, seven-year-old Christian, and he's amazing. But like Bible knowledge is, is you know, mm -hmm. is what it's going to be for right now. And so there's lots of questions that, you know, he's not going to say he knows what that question is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes a good solid, I have no idea, is, you know, it goes back to that piece on authenticity. Like you being who you are, Sarah, with a Bible degree and educational experience is one thing. But if you're someone who is new to faith, six months at Mountain, baptized, on fire, like I want you to be a group leader too. You just yes. won't know everything. And that's totally okay. Like that, I don't know, you being authentic, that is more important than, you know, trying to feel like you have the right answer to push and pedal the students. Well, sometimes the I don't know Actually, I prefer when they ask me something I don't know because I'll say, let's look together. Yeah, that's good. So that's like a relational thing. Like, so we're going to look together. Maybe you research some things and talk to me about what you find, and I'll research and talk to you about what I find, um, and that's a way to grow with them. So um, it, it pushes them to get in the Word instead of me always giving an answer out of the Word because so many of our kids, like, I'll say, have you ever read the Bible for yourself? Like, for yourself, like searched on your own. I, I mean, I, I came to these through experiences and lots of prayer and working out my faith. You know, I could tell you an answer, but I want you to come out on your own. So I think that those I don't know moments are perfect for working through those together. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, I don't know can also maybe save your group if like it's a if it's a questionable like I don't know if I should continue the conversation that we already have or we should go down this trail. Even sometimes that I don't know is like, all right, we're just gonna move on and like no one's gonna be upset about that right now. But coming back to it, you know, that's your job, like mm -hmm. to come back to it because you don't want to just dismiss questions. That is uh, perhaps the other side of the spectrum of like church hurt is like where mm. ah, just, just just have faith. Like, why don't you just have faith? Which is like a whole other issue <laughs> of like, yeah, I'm going to give you the right answer. And you better take your medicine or like, nah, that's not a good question. Like, all that matters is Jesus. Like, but that's not enough for a lot of kids today. Like, they're very logical, 
intellectual thinkers and folks like me who are just like, Jesus is great. Like, woohoo. Um, I'm not the best for them necessarily. They need people who think much deeper. Um, yeah, I find that by that juxtaposition kind of interesting sometimes. Well, sometimes I don't know. <clears throat> also save me when I know an answer might divide my room. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I'd probably put the group guy down at that point and just have a good time. Yep. What do you think? What do you think? What do you, yep. what do you think? Counter. What's yeah. this? <laughs> That's gonna be a memorable conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I think you have I think you have so what you said is is true, Chase. You can um saying something like, Oh, you just need to have faith can be damaging. On the other hand, I I think you have kids that just keep throwing hard questions at you as a deflection. Yes. Meaning, like you could answer every one of their hard questions, and that's re- again going back to the heart. That's really not what they—they they just don't want to put their trust in Jesus, and and so sometimes it's good, you know. This is an old apologetics thing too, but just say, hey, if if I were to answer every one of your questions satisfactorily, 100%. satisfactorily, would you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? That's a really good question. Like, yeah. And maybe it makes them think at a heart level, like, is there something deeper to why I don't want to trust Jesus? So, yeah, that's a really good question. But then on the other hand, we don't want to discount. So I'm saying, like, it is important to answer those questions. But at some point, if if the, if the it almost seems like this kid just loves to debate or they just want to deflect and use questions as a way to n- not answer the question of what are you going to do with this guy named Jesus? Yeah. Um, it's like they hide behind their intellect. Yeah, they can. Yes. You can there's, I've definitely had kids who have, have hidden behind intellect. Yeah, I'm curious because your your experience with students is so broad, and like you know, you do FCA camps with students who are far away from Jesus. Like, their what their questions that they come to you with? Like, are they, um, are they kind of in the weeds of some of the personal spiritual stuff, or are they just maybe more deflecting? Uh, you're at your Kutztown camps and things like that. Yeah, or? it's everything and, and in between. You know, it's Fair just we, we get we get it all. Um I, I think it when when you're in a camp type setting you, you can see Jesus at work almost just when you're seeing lives change. I, I remember for me, I was it was at a retreat that I put my trust. I, I grew up in a Christian church. I understood who Jesus was. I, I just, in my stubbornness, I was like, I want to have fun now and Jesus will forgive me if I just, you know, come around back to it later. And, and, um, I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's true. That part's true. But, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't a good reason for me to just to, let's, let's clip that to put Jesus and just up. send that part out. <laughs> yeah. That'll be next week's conversation <laughs> at students groups. And then like, you know, everyone's off the hook. We're all good. Yeah. Yeah. We, we get, we get everything. Um, so you get we get kids that have grown up in the church and kids that have never been to church. Kids that get there and they didn't even know it was a Christian camp. Coach just told me to show up. Surprise! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so uh, we've gotten all those questions, and and our, our huddle leaders, our small group leaders, have done a great job answering those questions. But I think the most effective thing for them to those those athletes to see is just the life change that's actually happening there at camp. For me, when I was a, a junior in high school. Uh, went to church in inner city Baltimore. I I grew up understanding the gospel, but I just I I knew God was a forgiving God, and I'm like I'm going to have fun now, and God will forgive me, and I can just get serious about my faith later. But we had brought these kids from um, 
from the neighborhood, never been exposed, never gone to church, never expo- been exposed to the gospel. And the last night of the retreat, um, they shared the life-changing mes- life message of Jesus Christ. And I just saw something come over those kids where they looked like they went from hopelessness, hopelessness to having hope. I mean, mm-hmm. you could almost see it in their face. Yeah. And I'm That's laying good. in bed that night as a junior in high school, and God said, look at these young people who were introduced to me for the first time and put their trust in me. You've known me your whole life, and you keep putting me off. Dang. Mm. I mean, literally, like one of the clearest times God ever spoke to me, and I was super humbled. And it was then laying in bed. It wasn't at an altar call or something like that. It was then laying in bed. I said, you're right, God. I'm in. You know, And wow. I started making some changes to live my life in a more God-honoring way and that kind of thing. So... Um, yeah, I mean, having them, the questions are good to answer, but, uh, experiences having them see God at work, (laughs) even (laughs) through serving and things like that, that is just, you know, that, that sometimes can be a better answer to questions than, than a And you ask about like them deflecting as far as their knowledge. And I think a lot of our kids do. And I think that's where I go back to like, um, this is a relational thing. God does his part and gives you certain answers, but there's a piece that's your part. Like you have to put faith and trust in it to build that relationship. Mm-hmm. And where a lot of kids today aren't willing to put that, whether they have relational hurts or just lack of trust in general, um, that's, I feel, the piece that they're missing when they question is they have a part back. And I think they want their needs met without having to put themselves out there. Hmm. So sometimes answering the tough questions is reminding them there's a piece that you have to do for this. You have to take this step forward to trust yeah. in it. And it reminds me of just the people that Jesus interacted with, how like he would, even the folks that he healed, like when they heard the message, they'd walk away. Hmm. You know, there's when they realize like, oh, this isn't just someone who brings me the stuff that I need. Yep. But it also is calling me to a higher call than what I am willing to give. Um, it's like that piece of ownership is huge. Um, <clears throat> all this conversation on tough questions kind of like I, we kind of keep like breaking out of like this questions thing and more to like it. Questions almost is like a byproduct of everything else. Like asking questions is more of a byproduct of, you know, I'm in a group that I trust or I'm in a relationship with a disciple maker, like a group leader who um, I respect and I know like is not going to be someone they're not. And like it's all these spaces are harvesting like this conversation of the questions come when they feel like they're starting to like get the relational piece of it together in some way. And some, some may come just intellectually asking questions, but many times it happens when uh, we experience the full range of what it means to follow Jesus, we're walking that space together. You no, know, we're walking with our rabbi, if you will. Oh, I've got this question. Um, that's when the questions come. And then it's like, you know, part of me wants to say like, let's, let's put our three point sermon out there on how to do hard questions at the same time. Like, how are you as a group leader cultivating an environment that will allow the questions to come in the first place? Yes. Like, are you doing the things that are 
outside of Wednesday, outside of Sunday, are we checking in? Are we sending emails to parents? Are we doing like the regular everyday stuff that lets the student know, like, hey, I'm here and I care about you because like what you both said, I experienced this myself. And if you experience this yourself, that's when we start to get to the good stuff. When you start to see that this faith that I have and I care about is contagious almost. Like the things that I care about about Jesus, I want you to care about. And you see that in my life, not just I'm going to be the cool guy who plays nine square on a Sunday. Um, that kind of comes from how are you modeling your life to have that passion? So then the questions come in some ways. Absolutely. There's a, some people might turn the podcast off after I say this, but uh, no. oh, this Chase is, is like, uh-oh, what is this? Um, Julia, you got the mute button ready? <laughs> there are a lot of people who love the quote, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. And it it is a good, it, there's a lot of truth in that quote. But I, I'm afraid it's used as a cop-out for never sharing truth with someone. Yes. You know, never actually giving them the truth. So all these things we're talking about, but at some point kids will get frustrated if you don't give them truth. Actually, finally, at some get point, the give them the answer to what the Bible says about some of these difficult issues. Um, the second thing I want to say is um, a lot of people have developed the theology around what they deem is fair. Yes. So it would be, it's not fair for God to do that. So God doesn't do that. Or or um, I'm trying to think of the other example, but but uh, and I just ran it. This is another thing I ran into this week, um, and and as a group we just kind of determined this. This was older older guys, but we we determined um, it. It's not up to us to determine what's fair and and not fair. And so many of these questions that they have are are revolved around that. Like, why does God God allow pain and suffering? That that's a fair or is. It's really boiled down. It's it's is God a fair God? Mm-hmm. And so, getting down to the point of what do we know about God? We know He's just, and we know He's loving, um, and we know He's all knowing, and we know He sees the big picture, and we cannot, and we know His His knowledge is so much greater than <clears throat> our, than ours. And so, at some point, there there has to be. We can't build a theology around what's fair and what's not fair, and we we can't we can't. Uh, assume that that our understanding is at the level of what what God's is. So that's good. And I think if you skirt around those issues, um, they know that too. So I have had to give some hard answers sometimes to questions that my students didn't like. And I've even had students like be angry at me Mm -hmm. for those answers. And I had to hang in with that anger because that was a symptom of something that they were holding and so it was a journey to, to continue to answer questions, even those hard questions, even when the truth they didn't want to hear. Um, eventually, that came back to repairing a re- our relationship and working through them. But if I wouldn't have given them that truth, um, I feel like I would have been shortchanging them, um, not being authentic in who I was and who yeah. God is. Yeah. Um, so sometimes it t- comes down to saying the things that they don't want to hear um, they have to wrestle with that too. Yeah. So if one piece of this, you know, is um, like all we've said, like all questions are good questions. Like don't be shocked, have your poker mm-hmm. face, be authentic. Um, there's another part of this that is like, and don't be afraid to tell the truth. Yes. 
Yes. The capital T truth, not your opinion. Um, so um, what you're saying, it reminds me of Jonah. We did this fall retreat a few years ago. I think that you were a part of that, Steve, where we talked about Jonah. And I loved that flow. I love the flow of the whole book. And I think that every single one of us identifies with Jonah, where just Nineveh is just the worst. They are terrible people. They like, I don't know, raping babies. They're just doing bad stuff. And they're just the scum of the earth. And God's like, I want to forgive them if you tell them. And he just doesn't want to do it. And he just spends the whole time, and then we're in chapter four, he, and Jonah's got this, the, the, he tries to give them the shade, and he's just upset about the shade, and Jonah's just upset about everything God's doing, and then the Lord says, like, you pitied this shrub for what you didn't work, like, yeah, I can't pity Nineveh, like, the great city where there's over 120,000 people who can't tell their left from their right, like, like, you don't know, like, yeah. you don't know what I know, Yeah, is what God's saying yeah. in that passage, mm-hmm. and like, for students, like they, I mean, they think they know, right? Yeah. Yeah. Parents, they think they know, um, but they have no idea. I just, that came, that clicked in my mind when you said it, Steve. And we need to, you know, another part of this conversation is that, like, where we're just not afraid to just, like, say the hard thing. Yeah. Because yes. um, we want to be the friend or we want to be the group leader that they love and respect. It's like, well, at some point, you're also like, on the on behalf of God discipling this student and we have to share the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, you know, that's something as a leader, not so much like biblical knowledge, but just like um how I handle those tough questions, I pray about continuously because I feel like I have to answer for how I answer. <laughs> so um yeah. you know, I don't take that lightly, you know. Not that I'm trying to discourage anybody from doing it. It it's the most rewarding thing, but you know, you really have to come to the point where you say, this is truth, even though you may not like it or you may disagree with it there were, or you may have to wrestle with it or it may mean that someone you love is wrong or whatever. Um, this is truth. And that has to be given. Yeah. Was that part of your onboarding process? By the way, you're going to have to tell really hard truth. That's going to really like break your soul because you might fracture a relationship with the kid who is struggling with X, Y, or Z and you're telling them the thing they're doing is wrong, but they feel like it's right. It's like, yeah, we said, uh, I think that your student pastor is something like, it's going to be wonderful. Kids are going to love you. They're going to invite you to the wedding. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This is hard stuff. Um, Let's let's maybe get to an end here. Uh, Maybe just some final, what, what final thoughts do you have? Uh, you're here to just say one last encouraging thing to a leader who is getting some tough questions. Maybe they know the answers, maybe they don't, but what is, uh, what's your final words of encouragement to someone group leader at mountain students, both of you are, have been, uh, what you got? Hmm. I would say be willing to play the long game because even if you mess up in the immediate answer, your follow through relationally is what's more important. So I would say, um, don't beat yourself up for not having all the answers. It's, are you willing to hang in there with this student and build a relationship while they wrestle with those hard questions? Um, play the long game because that's where the dividends are. Yeah, for me, uh, the word says, uh, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. And so are, are you, are you ready to do that? And even when you don't have an answer, you can, 
you can say, this is what I do know. And, and almost like take them to the foot of the cross. Like we serve a God that loves you so much that he sent his only son to, to pay the penalty that you deserved because he loves you that much. And I, I, there, there are great questions, but I, 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 before we get to an answer for that, or before I go back and start researching, I just want you to know that, you know, he loves you. He cares for you. Um, I think I think helping these students understand who God is. Uh, yes, He is God. Yes, He is supposed to be Lord of our life, but He's also a very loving God who cares deeply, who who desires for everyone to be saved. And and you know some of the, some of those things. I th- I think a lot of people just have this idea that God is this authoritarian who wants to say, "Do this, don't do that," and and um hmm. and they don't they don't understand. They don't understand the true God who really, really gave it all for for them individually. You know, if it was just them, he would have done it. And and so, uh, yeah, that's uh, be prepared. Be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have, um, because it, it often can be brought back around to that, and you can get to those tough questions later. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's my that's thought. Good. Yeah, you know, uh, in Acts chapter two, there wasn't a such thing as a university or an apologetics <laughs> class. Yeah. Um, it was just a dumb old fisherman just standing up and just saying what he saw. Yep. And 3,000 people came to be saved that day. Um, I would say maybe the, the last thing that I would say is probably uh, if a student has a question that you know is just like, you know, the worst kind of question, like no question is a bad question. They're not bad. They're not wrong. You know, you're, you're not a bad person for having that question. Um, continue to love them. Continue to encourage them. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you. This yeah. was an absolute pleasure. Um, <clears throat> I would ask, um, like normal podcasts, to, uh, you know, how we find you on social, but no one cares about either of you, so we're fine. Um, <laughs> we're just going to do our outro. Uh, friends, what you do matters. Uh, who you are and who you are becoming in Christ is more important than what you do. Uh, that's very indicative of our current conversation that we just had. And if we're going to make disciples, we have to be disciples. So we each commit personally to walking the walk with Jesus, living out the mountain walk by loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Because everything rises and falls in the strength of our disciple makers and our process to connect students to them. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.